for singing with us. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to be back with you. I know I've missed you. I've missed seeing you. Uh, we had a couple of weeks of vacation, so that was awesome. Uh, I had to be at the beach for vacation, but it was still okay uh, for that. You guys know I'm a mountains guy. No, it really was good. We found some shark teeth, and, uh, and I got to play in the waves, and Tropical Storm Elsa came over to visit. Uh, that was awesome, uh, except for the leaking in the house. But other than that, it was awesome. Uh, but I'm just glad to be back with you. And whether you're here in the room and I can see you, or you're joining us online and I can't see you, but you're still with us, no matter how you're here, we're just glad you're here. This is a good, good day to worship the Lord. Uh, and so uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Nick, you guys did a phenomenal job while we were gone. Uh, but I want to just remind you real quick, more mentioned this, but this is really important. So tonight we're going to be at Kilkenny Park. And this is, there's no program tonight. We're literally just going to be at the park. We're going to hang out. We're going to play cornhole. We're going to stand around and talk. We're going to have brats and hot dogs and chips and, you know, Kona ice. Yes, I am excited about that. My wife called me out. Uh, I'm really excited about Kona ice. I'm kind of like a kid, right, in a, in a man's body. And, and so I'm looking forward to that. But the main reason we're doing this is to reconnect our church. Coming off of the year that we've been in, where the pandemic and we've kind of isolated and everything feels a little bit strange still, like, you know, we kind of moved past it, but now people are still kind of in, stuck in this isolated mode, as you guys know, right? There's still things that we're, we're, we haven't gotten going again. And so one of the things that we want to do, our church is built on relationships more than anything else. You guys who have been to Northridge for any length of time, you know this. And so we just want you to come and hang out because we need to reconnect as a church. And so we're going to do that at the park because it's Wisconsin and summer evenings in Wisconsin are awesome, as Laura said. And so I want to invite you to come. It's from 6 to 7.30 at Kilkenny Park tonight. We're going to have two other ones. And this is actually a very serious request. We are asking, what we hope, what we're requesting is that every single person who is a part of Northridge comes to at least one of these. You can come to all three if you want. We just want you to come to at least one because we need to reconnect. And yes, this is a time where if you have people that have wondered about Northridge, invite them to come. It'll be a safe place where we just cook food for them. We hang out. We talk. Literally, that's it. We're going to have a blast from 6 to 7.30 tonight at Kilkenny Park. All right? So hope to see you there and invite people in. We're just going to have a blast. We're going to have a good time. Uh, so last summer, when we were on vacation... My wife and I and our three kiddos, we went down to South Carolina and we spent a few days with my brother and his wife and their three children. And, uh, and what we decided to do for a couple of days, we decided to take a pontoon boat out on one of the big lakes in South Carolina. And we, you know, we tooled around, we did some tubing, we did, you know, jumped out of the pontoon boat into the middle of the lake and did swimming. And we found a beach and everything. We kind of parked the pontoon boat right on the beach and we, you know, did swimming there and played in the sand. But one of the things that we did, and I mentioned this last summer after we got back, I kind of mentioned this, but I want to tell the story. We went to this place called Jumping Off Rock. As you would imagine, it's because people go there all the time, usually with the, the boat is the best way to get there, and you kind of jump into the lake and you swim across to the edge of the lake and you get on top of this huge rock called Jumping Off Rock and you jump off of it into the lake, into the water. 
all right? So we did this. So we took the pontoon boat and we climbed out and we, you know, Bryce and I, it was my brother and I and, and a few of our kids, some of our kids wanted to stay on the pontoon boat. You understand they didn't want anything to do with jumping off rock. Right? And so they stayed on the pontoon boat, but Bryce and I and some of our kids, they swam over to us. They had their life vests on and everything. And we climbed out on top of this rock. And let me just tell you that from the boat, this rock did not look all that impressive. I mean, it was pretty high, but it didn't look that impressive. Right? And so we started climbing up. And, and I just want to give you an idea of what happened. Because we were on top of this rock, and when I got on top of this rock, so I'm climbing up, right? And of course you have to go up the back side of this rock. And I'm climbing up this rock, and Bryce is climbing up ahead of me, and I get up to the top of this rock, okay? This is not how high the rock was. I would have had to take the ladder a little bit more. It's between 15 to 20 feet high, I was about where the, a little bit shy of where the lights are on this rock, looking into the water. You get me? Now, this is what's interesting. My brother, who's crazy, he's my little brother, he's a risk taker. And so you know what he did? He got to the top of that rock and he turned around and he threw his arms out. And you know what he did? He's like, woo! And of course, they were taking a video from the pontoon boat, right? Like 100 yards away. And he's like, throws his arms out and he jumps headfirst, dives in this perfect, beautiful dive into the water. My knees are still shaking when he left, right? And the truth is that I got up on that rock and I looked down from where I was. It takes a while to get down this ladder, guys. I looked from the top of that thing, 15, 20 feet in the air, with 15, 20 feet does not sound like much until you have to jump off of it, right? And I looked down from that rock and my toes were kind of gripping the rock before I left. And it took me a few seconds to kind of check the edge, make sure I'm good, and then I back up and then I'm like, yeah, do I want to do this? And finally, after several seconds, Bryce had already gone, he's, done. he's ready to climb back up by this point. Right? And I'm still, and he's like, what are you doing, big brother? <laughs> and I finally got to the edge and I took two running jumps and I jumped and I leapt off that rock. And let me tell you, man, when you left that rock, you knew it was a little bit of a ways down because it was just like this free fall for like three seconds. One, two, right? It was awesome. The reason I start with that story and to give you an idea of that height is because we have some groups of people in the room. Some of you in here, as I stand on top of that ladder and I say, I jumped into water from that height, some of you are like, that's weak sauce. Pathetic. I could jump from double that height, no problem. Tomorrow, let's go, let's do it. Some of you are ready to go, right? Like you're thinking, you already have ideas of where you want to go after church, right? Woo, this is awesome. Like you're so excited about it. Good for you, weirdos. Some of you in here, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. When I climbed the ladder, you were nervous for me because you'll never even get close to this thing, right? I get it, you're not risk takers. 
And then there's probably a third group kind of in between where maybe you're kind of like me, where I know that risks are probably good for me. They help me grow. They help me build my courage. But it takes me a little while. I'm a little cautious. And so I have to work through it a bit. Well, the reason I bring that up is because I think that life is essentially boiled down to decisions we make and risks we take or don't take. When you think about literally everything you ever do, your life is boiled down to the decisions that you make, the risks you take, or the risks you don't take. Isn't it? And so today, I want to continue the series. Pastor Chris did a phenomenal job the last two weeks of taking us through the the last couple of phrases. But today, I want to get into the series, Different for a Change, one more time. And I want to talk about the next phrase in the things that my dad wrote down that he would do differently in life. Today's phrase is this, fear less, risk more. Fear less, risk more. So let's get into the Bible story today. Today's Bible story is one that's pretty popular. It's pretty famous. It's one that most pastors tend to preach on fairly often. I've preached out of this one at least twice here at Northridge in the life and time that Northridge has existed. Uh, It's a great story. You've probably, some of you have probably heard it a ton of times. Some of you, this might be your first time hearing it. That's cool. But this story, let me just set up the context, happens when Jesus and the disciples are exhausted. They just finished a long day. It's a good day, but a long day of ministry. And so Jesus needs some time alone. Anybody relate to Jesus today? (laughs) Anybody need some time alone? Just, I need some space. Jesus needed some space. And so he tells the disciples, I need some space. I need some time alone. I need to go up into the hills by the lake here that we're next to. I need to go go pray. And so he tells the disciples, I want you to get into this boat and I want you to head back across the lake to where we came from the day before. Okay? And so Jesus goes by himself. It's it's dark at this point. It's evening. It's nighttime. And so he goes up into the hills and he's going to pray by himself. And the disciples, they get in the boat and they start across the lake. It's a large lake. And so it it takes them quite a while. And where I want to pick up the story is it's in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, and a storm comes up. The wind and the waves start hitting pretty hard. And that's where I want to pick up the story. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to start with verse 24. So meanwhile, while Jesus was praying, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, that gives you the idea. It's the middle of the night. It's pitch black, pitch dark. They were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, understandably so, right? In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 
Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Sometimes we breeze over that last phrase. Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. This is a miracle status happening right now. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? So the question I have for you today is this. What is the risk that Peter took in this story? What risk did Peter take? Well, it's very simple, isn't it? He stepped out of a perfectly good boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of a storm to walk on the water toward Jesus. That's what he did. That was the risk that he took. Nobody else took it. Peter is the only one. So the risk is that he stepped out of something that was safe, that was comfortable, that was known right? It would have been far easier for Peter to stay in the boat, especially since it was the middle of the night, the middle of the lake, middle of a storm. It made all, the only logic, how many of you, when you have the middle of the night, you're in the middle of the lake, you're lost, and there's, the waves are going, and there's a thunderstorm going over, how many of you say, I think, let's just jump out of the boat? How many of you offer that as a suggestion? You don't. You know why? Because it makes no sense to do that. There's no logic in that. And yet that is the risk that Peter took. And let me just say for the record, right out of the gate, that one of the things that when God asks you to take a risk for him, one of the most significant, one of the most often risks God is going to ask you to take is to step out of, to step away from the thing that is most comfortable, most known, and most safe. It's true. It's not a risk otherwise, right? If God was saying, man, I want you to take a risk today. I want you to go into work like normal. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Some of you say, you haven't seen my workplace. <laughs> okay. But God, what is God when he asks us to risk? He's going to ask things, has to do things like Peter. He's going to have to get out of what is known, what is comfortable, what is safe, what is obvious. I remember when uh, I was a kid and I was getting ready to audition for the Rapid City, South Dakota Children's Choir. All right. Now, this may not seem like a huge deal to you, but at the time I was in elementary school, I was a young boy. And so I was going into this thing where I was going to be sitting in a room with another person or a few other people. And I was going to have to sing for these people. And then they were going to determine whether or not I made it into this choir. Okay. And so the, I, I remember actually walking up the steps, these stone steps to this very menacing stone, massive stone building where the additions were. And I remember walking up the cell and I can still remember to this day how I felt. I was terrified about what I was about to do. I was, I was shaking. My, my legs were shaking, kind of like when I was on the rock, right? The top of that rock. I was shaking like that. And my, I don't know if you guys can relate, but my stomach was tight. 
I felt like I was nauseous. You guys ever get so nervous that you get sick to your stomach? Like there's nothing wrong except that you're just nervous. That's what I was feeling. I, my, my stomach was in knots. I was nervous. And, and, I, and I just didn't know. And, and let me ask the question, why? Why was I so nervous? The reason I was nervous is because I had left my normal routine of life and now I was placing myself in a situation where I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. I was nervous about it. I wasn't, no, I wasn't sure how I was going to be judged by it. Anybody ever walk into a situation where you weren't sure how you were going to be judged? Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? It's scary. And I, and I, I remember walking up those steps and, and it was because I was setting aside what was normal and comfortable and easy for something that I wasn't sure I could do. My dad did this as well. Um, when my dad was in high school, he was a basketball stud, all right? Like, full-on amazing basketball player, one of the best basketball players that I've ever known. I, I kid you not. Like, he's just, he was just phenomenal, okay? And uh, so when he was in high school, uh, he made the varsity basketball team. And th by the way, he went to a huge, I mean, massive high school in Muncie, Indiana, which is a fairly large community, huge high school, and where in a state where, I kid you not, you think basketball's big in Wisconsin. Mm, it is not, I'm just telling you. Indiana is crazy. Indiana is a religion in Indiana. Like, basketball is just, it's a religion, okay, in Indiana. And so my dad played basketball for Muncie Central High School. Have you guys seen the movie Hoosiers or heard of that story? He went to the high school of the big school that the little school played against in the championship. My dad was just a few years after that story, okay? So he played for this phenomenal, unbelievable basketball school, and he made the varsity team as a sophomore, starting point guard, okay? That tells you how good he was. Starting point guard as a sophomore in high school, at a massive high school. Now, the problem was that God had started to get hold of my dad's heart in those days as well. And so my dad had started this group, this, this music ministry team called Top Teens, I think, is uh, something like that. And, and, and he had started this, this music ministry group where he was, you know, doing different things and sharing the love of Jesus through music and all kinds of other things. And so he was doing this as well as basketball. Well, it came to a point, I think it was his junior year, it was in the middle of high school, where he had to make a decision, a choice. I don't know if the coach put it up or whatever, but it came down to where basketball and this ministry team were at odds with one another. And so my dad had to make a decision. And what he chose, at the moment when everything was going right with basketball, he chose to set basketball aside. As a junior in high school, in order to pursue this ministry, the music thing. And now a lot of us know the rest of the story. God got a hold of his heart and he ended up going into ministry and becoming a pastor the rest of his life. My mom actually told this story while we were on vacation this last week and she mentioned how it was one of the hardest decisions my dad ever had to make. It was giving up basketball. 
When God asks you to take a risk, he's going to ask you to set aside, to let go of, to release something that is obvious and clear and known and comfortable and easy and safe. So the question I have for you today is the first of two. I'm going to ask them kind of right together, but the first one I'm going to just get out the gate first is this. What is your boat? Now you might say, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. The, the reason I ask it that way is Peter had to get out of a perfectly good boat in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. But all of us have boats. My guess is Jesus is not asking you to go row out into or start the motor up. We get power motors, right, today. And go out to the middle of the lake and be like in the middle of the night and have, wait for a storm to come up and then say, will you risk it all for me? Are you willing to step out on the water and walk on the water for me? My guess is God is not going to ask you to do that. But I do know that God is going to ask you to get out of whatever the boat is in your life that's safe, that's comfortable, that's known. So what is it? What's your boat? What is it that you don't want to release to Jesus? You don't want to get rid of the boat. You don't want to step out of the boat. Maybe it's this idea that, that you're afraid. Right? I mean... Maybe it's money. A lot of people, and I would say that I struggle with this one. All right, not that, <laughs> I think you understand if you've seen my vehicles, all right? We're not rolling in it. It's not that like, bring on the money. But if I'm going to worry about something, I'm just being honest with you, one of the things that I will worry about more than other things, I'm not, I don't tend to be a worrier. But if I do worry, if I'm going to worry about something, money is one of those things that I'll worry about. It's a safety net for me. And so when God speaks to me, when he has spoken to me at times to be generous and to give something away that I think we don't even have enough to give, I wrestle with God. That is my boat. That is where God is saying, Brent, you need to release this. Do you not trust me? I'm way bigger than a few dollars. I'm way bigger than a thousand dollars. I'm way bigger than anything that I ask you to give. But it's still hard. You know what I'm talking about? It's hard to step out of that boat. But then the second question I want to ask you is, once you think of your boat, what is that safety net? What is that thing that just makes you feel safe and comfortable and you don't want to get out, you don't want to get out of that, you don't want to do that? But the second question that kind of goes with the first question is this, what is keeping you in the boat? Whatever your boat is, what's keeping you there? What's keeping you stuck inside that boat? Now, please understand, out of this whole story, who got out of the boat? It was Peter, right? Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. All the other disciples were there. They were in the boat. They were watching the same thing. They're like, it's a ghost. Ah! And Jesus says, no, it's me. It's okay. Don't be afraid. And then Peter's like, oh, it's Jesus. All the other disciples stayed in the boat. Peter's the only one that got out. Why? Because the disciples were scared. They were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of drowning. They were afraid of failure. 
Do you think that maybe they felt, especially when they saw Peter step over the side of the boat? We don't usually think about this part, but think about the rest of the disciples. Some of them probably are going, Peter, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And I'm sure that there were probably some of the disciples saying, I should have done that. I should have been the first to step out. The other disciples didn't because they were afraid, but Peter did. What's interesting about this story, I don't know if you've noticed this, but what's really cool about this story is this story illustrates one of Peter's greatest faith victories and one of his biggest faith failures in the same story. You realize that? Like, he walked on water. That's a big deal, right? In fact, let's go back to it. Matthew 14, verse 29. What does it say? So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. That's a big deal, people. When was the last time you walked on water? Right? I'll bet it's been a while. Like, never? I mean, neither. If this is a big deal, this doesn't happen. And by the way, keep in mind, he did this in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the storm. You cannot pick a worse time to try to walk on water. Right? It's kind of like if you're trying to teach your kids how to ride a bike, and you're like, you know what? It looks like tornadoes today. Let's try this. Let's go, right? 40 mile per hour winds. Let's go try to ride a bike today down a hill. In fact, let's go to Seattle. Let's go to San Francisco. Let's try that hill. This is going to be a great way to learn. No, it's not. That's the worst time you could ever think of. Peter gets out of the boat, but it's the greatest, one of his greatest faith victories in his life. But then literally, seconds later, one of, the, one of the worst failures in his faith in his life. Look at verse 30. But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Failure. What's interesting about Peter, one reason people love Peter is because Peter's successes and failures, his victories and his failures are on full display for everybody to see. Peter is the guy, for example, Peter's the guy, right, who after Jesus leaves, he preaches to a huge crowd of people. And what does it say? If you remember this in the book of Acts, after Jesus has ascended to heaven, Peter preaches. Nobody else wanted to preach. Nobody else was stepping up. And Peter's like, okay, he felt like he had to preach. So he steps up and he preaches. You know what happens? 3,000 people accept Jesus that day and get baptized. That's a pretty good day. Peter has tons of victories in his life, but he's also full of failures. He is a massive failure over and over again. Remember that Peter is the only one, at least that we have documented, that was called Satan by Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. This was after Peter said, Jesus, you're not going to die. I won't let you die. And Jesus like, oh, no, you didn't. No, uh <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me with this stuff. Epic fail for Peter. Peter, when, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, Peter's the one who says, Jesus, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus looks at him and says, if I, have, if I don't wash your feet, you and I, you have no part with me. We're not good unless you let me wash your feet. Epic. 
epic fail. We all know Peter's the one who denies Jesus three times in a row. He says, no, I don't know this man. Betrays him. See, here's the thing. Victory and failure go together. We miss that sometimes. We pray for victories, but sometimes we forget that victory and failure, they go together. Let me give an illustration of this. So it was 1989, just a little while ago. 1989, I was 11 years old, I remember this. The Chicago Bulls were playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in game five. It was a, a five-game series. They each had won two games. The Bulls had won two games. The Cavaliers had won two games. And they were in game five, Three seconds left, winner goes on, loser goes home. The stakes at this point could not get bigger, right? And so, so the Chicago Bulls, they have the ball, three seconds. They're at half court. They're getting ready to inbound. Three seconds left. And by the way, the Bulls are down. You can't script this better, right? You can't make a movie out of this better. They're down by one, three seconds left, and guess who plays for the Chicago Bulls? You guys know Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is about to make a little piece of history with three seconds left in that game. You guys want to see it? I do. So I don't care if you do, because we're going to watch it anyway. All right, let's see it. The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. You'll see the drama unfold. Now, how will Cleveland defense Jordan? Sellers will inbound. Sellers has Jordan. Jordan with two seconds to go. Puts it up and scores at the buzzer. Michael Jordan has won it for Chicago. Amazing. That is known to this day as the shot. They don't even preface anything else. It's known as the shot. Michael Jordan wins the game. The Bulls move on and go on to the end of the playoffs. Now, here's the interesting thing that a lot of people don't know about Michael Jordan. 26 other times Michael Jordan, in other games, had the ball in his hands and released the game-winning shot with seconds left, the buzzer going off at the moment. 26 times Jordan had the ball in his hands and released the game-winning potential shot and missed. 26 other times he missed. He failed. Victory and failure go together. Let's go back to Peter for a moment. Peter certainly had victories in his life, but he also had failures. And in that night, in that moment, I don't think, in fact, let me just say this, I don't think Jesus chose Peter because he was perfect. 
And yet, we as Christians, as followers of Christ, sometimes we get this idea that Jesus needs us and only offers anything to us if we're perfect. He doesn't. Can I tell you when he will offer you great things? He will offer you great things when you're like Peter, who is not perfect, but is willing to take a risk for him over and over and over and over again, even when the last time you failed. Jesus chose Peter not because he was perfect, but because he was faithful. Because he took risks for God when he asked him to. Do you think Peter learned to walk on water that night? He did. It was a great victory. But do you think Peter also learned how important it was to keep his eyes on Jesus? You bet he did. Do you think Peter also learned that night from his failure, how important it was to not doubt when you had faith initially, but then you start to doubt and he starts sinking, especially, by the way, when you're in the middle of a lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm? Yes, he did. In other words, he learned from his victory and he also learned from his failure. The key was that he got out of the boat. So I want to ask you again, what's keeping you in the boat? If I were going to be honest, I think if I was in the boat because of my personality, I would have had a hard time getting out of the boat. I think I probably would have been one of the other 11, still sitting there going, wow, Peter, that's awesome. He's so amazing. Or I may have been sitting in the boat going, Peter, you're an idiot. What are you doing? If I were going to be honest, I think percentage-wise, maybe the majority of us as followers of Christ tend to be more like the 11 disciples in the boat than Peter walking on the water. I think that God is calling us, asking us to take more risks. I think my dad was feeling that when he wrote that phrase. I think God wants to do great, great things with us. The truth is, right, that it's scary to take a risk. It's scary to release from something that's solid, that's, that's known, Kind of like a rock, right? If I were to put you guys on a, on a rock that represented the risk that you have to take, and you're on the rock, and Jesus says, I need you to jump. I need you to take a risk for me. Trust me, it's going to be fine. I'm here. Do you remember what Jesus says in the story? He says, I'm here. But you know where I think most of us as followers of Christ stay? I think we stay on the ground. And Jesus says, I wanted you to fly. I wanted you to walk on water. But you never even got out of the boat. 
You never even left the rock. I just wanted you to pray for that person out loud at work. I know the coworkers would have thought you're weird. I just, I just, I just wanted you to, they needed your help. I wanted you to sign up for that life group. Yeah, but you don't know. People are crazy, especially in Northridge. <laughs> I just need you to jump in. See, we talk ourselves off the rock. I had thought about that day. I had thought about that day when I was on the rock about climbing back down and just slipping back into the water. I really wanted to, to be honest. But after I jumped, I did it again because it was awesome. I believe God wants to do something amazing in you and through you. Every single one of you from the youngest child to the oldest, to the person who's married, to the person who's not, to the one who maybe you're new in Jesus and some of you have been walking with Christ for a long time, but you've been sitting in the boat your whole life. No matter who you are, where you come from, what your faith background is, I believe God wants to do something amazing in you and through you. I believe that. I know that. God says that. And so I would simply ask you this. What risk are you willing to take this year for God? What is he asking you to take? I'm not going to tell you what that risk is. God knows. You know. Are you willing to take it? That's the question. Will you jump out of the boat? Will you walk on water? Will you climb a ladder on a Sunday morning? Will you do what you know you need to do and take that risk for God? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You risked it all for us. When you went to the cross, when you came to this earth and you gave up eternity and, and paradise and heaven, and you became a human being to experience the pain and the, the hardship, the emotions, the difficulty of what it means to live this life on this earth. And you did that, and then you grew, and you did ministry, and you healed, and you did miracles, and you, you taught, and you gave us truth, and, and then you gave us the ultimate example. You died for us. You put, ultimately, your entire life on the line for us. Help us to do the same for you. Help us not to be apathetic, Help us not to be complacent. Help us not to go through the motions. Coming to church on Sunday is a great step. It's a first step. It's a start. But it's got to go deeper because it has to be a daily thing where we risk and we're willing to step and step out of the boat for you on a daily, regular basis. We need to be like Peter where we step out and risk 
over and over and over again, even so, though sometimes we'll fail, God, we need to step out because you can do great things in us and through us when we surrender, when we open our life, release control to you. We can't trust you, God, unless we put ourselves in a place where we have to trust you, God. We can't just say we trust you unless we actually put ourselves in a place where we trust you. Help us to see that, realize that, live that every day. For anyone in here, they know what their boat is, and they maybe have a pretty good idea of what's keeping them in the boat. I pray that today, this week, they would take a step to get out of the boat and take a risk for you. Give them the strength, give them the faith, give them the confidence. Like some of the people in the Bible that you gave confidence to and strength to, they were scared, but they stepped out in faith. Help us to be like them. Help us to do that. Give us the strength, the confidence, the faith, the courage to do it. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.